right, back on the Young Turks. Joining me in studio, Ron Perlman, um, legendary actor, Sons of Anarchy, Hellboy, Beauty and the Beast. Uh, he has been nominated for Outstanding Lead Actor in a Drama Series for an Emmy. He has won a Golden Globe. Uh, and he's also the author of Easy Street, The Hard Way. And I could actually go on and on and on. I mean, you've done a million uh, movies, projects, TV shows. Welcome, brother. How are you doing? Great to be with you, Jake. Great. All right. Uh, so, look, you're a progressive, and you're not messing around about it. Uh, and and you like to take on Trump. Uh, so, uh, I want to talk about your career and your politics. Let's start with politics. Um, so, you have said some incredibly harsh things about Donald Trump. Um, well, you got a reputation as a nothing commensurate with the harshness that is Donald Trump. But go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. You can't say enough bad things. I, I agree with you there. But has it had any effect on your career at all? Has that been like, hey, wait, you know, we want to sell tickets to Republicans who like Hellboy too, and or no? I can't tell. I mean, I'm doing just great uh, career-wise. Um, uh, I've never done studio movies, uh, so those are the those are the ones who actually worry about the bottom line, and you know, hanging around with. Palling around with uh, activists. What was Sarah Palin's great line about? Yeah, about palling around with what did you call him? I, I forget. But names. anyway, you know, um, I do a lot of independent cinema. I actually have a company that produces independent cinema. Um, the TV networks that I've worked for haven't seemed to mind. Um, they haven't seemed to react to it one way or the other. I mean, if there's such a thing as as being Teflon with regard to being an activist and, and having a career in the public eye, I guess that's me. Because it just hasn't seemed to have an effect one way or the other. Uh-huh. And um, do you, how about conservatives? Do you think it has an effect on their career? Like uh, we, we just did the show together, uh, talked about the news. You mentioned uh, Jimmy Woods, James Woods. Mm-hmm. Um, like they, they, they're often crying about how, oh my God, Hollywood's so liberal. But he seemed to have a perfectly good career. He got hired on a million different projects. You ever sense any discrimination in Hollywood over that? I think you're good until your movies don't make any money. I basically think that's the story. You know, right. um, um, Charlton Heston, you know, was a staunch conservative in a, in a liberal kind of town with liberal, a lot of liberal activists, and you know, there, there, there's. There's been very vocal people on both sides, as, as our dear president likes to say. Mm-hmm. And um, I haven't been able to discern um, maybe in you know dark rooms and conversations that take place about who's going to get a role and who's not going to get a role. But I've never been privy to any of that, and I've never seen any evidence that it, it has a deleterious effect. It's almost as if movie companies would like to make a profit, <laughs> and so they will hire actors who star in movies that make money. Well, I do know <laughs> that they, they they look at your Twitter numbers now. Oh, they do, they is that at, right? They, I didn't they know They look that. at your Instagram numbers now. Uh-huh. And you know, if, if, if the part is down to two guys and one guy has 35 followers and one guy has 35 million followers, the guy with 35 followers is gonna get the job. No, that's, that's <laughs> but um, you know, that's a thing now, that's, that's a factor. Huh. And, and I don't think they care like what it is you're, you know, you you can definitely get into trouble. I mean, you can definitely. There's third rails out there, um, and I've watched people do it, and it's 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 sad because 
we're living in a time now where we're being challenged spiritually on so many different levels that you're almost being invited to be a, to, 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 you know, meet the outrageousness with outrage of your own. And it's very easy to cross the line. And you got to always be wary of that. So what made you a Democrat in the first place? Were your parents Democrats? Where you grow up? It's Lower like- middle class Jewish kid from, from New York City. My dad made $12,000 a year on his good years. I think one year he made 13000 bucks. Mm-hmm. Got audited. It was crazy. No, that's not true. He didn't get audited. <laughs> but, um, still under audit. Can't tell you about you it. You know, lifelong Democrats. Most of the people in my community were Democrats. It was, uh, I, don't know, I don't know where it all came from. Um, I, I, I really can't identify that. But it, 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 it just appealed to me from the get-go because it seemed to be it seemed to sort of be in line with a conversation about thinking about the other guy, about about how 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 if I have something to say and some power to wield, can I lift up um, the people around me who who may not have that that access to that voice and that power? It just innately has that potential, whereas the other party innately rules all that stuff out for an agenda that has to do with power and wealth and, and um, amorality. Well, what did your parents do for a living? Well, my dad, uh, when I was born, fixed televisions. He went door to door, $3 a house call, which is added up to $12,000 a year. Wow, $3 um, a house call. Could, could um, you, uh, sorry to interrupt you, but uh, could he have imagined that your his son would then be in that TVs that he was fixing and, and gotten to the place that you are? He died at 49. I was 19 years old, and this is a story that I tell. I'll try to tell it as quickly as I possibly can, but I was doing a production college of Guys and Dolls, and he came with the family on Thursday night, and we all went out and had a great time. And then he came back on Friday night by himself, and I came out from backstage. I said, Pop, you're not supposed to be here. What are you doing here? He said, nothing. I just wanted to see something. I'll see you tomorrow. And the next day we took a ride in the car, and he said, "Um, I just came back to see if what I thought I saw, I really saw. I said, what are you talking about? He goes, I think you have to do this. Oh, that's amazing. And uh-huh. like a year later, he was dead. So it was almost like a death wish thing saying, I'm giving you permission to pursue a very scary, very um, um, dangerous life where there's nothing, no guarantees and, and yeah. no security whatsoever. And it, it, you know, it, it, it has meant the world to me. I mean, you know. But yeah. um, yeah, that was that was that was a seminal moment. Yeah, no, no, that is that's touching. Um, and uh, and how about your mom? My mom was a homemaker um, until I was a teenager, and then she went and got a job for the city of New York, for the health department. Um, worked at the Bureau of Tuberculosis. I still have friends. If you need some tuberculosis, I can get you a discount. <laughs> no, I'm cool. I'm good. I'm good. I'm just saying, you know. <laughs> um, but yeah, she was, does, right? she was a civil servant. My, you know, my dad was worked with his hands. Uh, in the last few years of his life, he went back and, and got a, a, a degree that enabled him to become a substitute teacher. He taught in a, a vocational school all the way to the time he died. So they were both kind of, um, you know, just straight ahead, you know, lower middle class New Yorkers, put together not a great deal of money, but played by the rules, lived by the rules, had a really cool kind of 
true north about them. You know, they 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 they, they cared about folks and stuff. And you know, um, I guess I guess that's where the liberalism kind of got passed down. Yeah. So, um, was your family in in the states for a long time, or had they? Uh, did their parents come recently, and where did they come from? Both Eastern European. My mom's family was from Poland. She was first generation American, so she was the only uh, uh, girl in her family that was born in the United States. She had three, four older sisters, all born in Poland. And my dad's family. My dad was about third or fourth generation Hungarian Jew. Um, so he, his family had been around for a while. Yeah, and not a lot of people know this because I think TV is a little bit misleading on this because they feature so many neoconservatives, etc. But uh, Jewish Americans are the second biggest Democratic voting bloc in the country. African Americans are number one, uh, Jews are number two, uh, and and then Latinos, Asians, etc. So they, they just they they feature so many. Hawks who who happen to be Jewish American on television mm-hmm. that it gives a misleading impression and right wingers who are like hey Netanyahu is great Cheney's great etc no they don't represent most Jews in this country Jews in this country generally come from a very liberal tradition and still vote seventy percent in favor of Democrats mm-hmm. so so your your background in that sense is not that surprising yeah. right and so what made you get into acting. Because you mentioned you were at 19, you were already doing the play. Yeah. Did you start earlier than that? And what, what sparked that for you? I was already acting for three or four years by the time I did that high, that college play. I, I got a, a role in a high school play when I was a junior. And um, the community of people that were putting on this play made me feel normal. I mean, this was the most neurotic bunch of people I've ever met, theater people. And uh, it was like, you know. You ever you ever walk into a room and you go, okay, I'm home. Like this is where I this is where I, I mean, you know, when you feel like the least neurotic guy in the group and you're really neurotic, then you <laughs> you you say, I, I'm good here. I'm going to stick around here. That plus the fact that the solving of uh, the, the riddles that you have to solve in order to become a character and create a character and then have an effect on an audience was very kind of seductive to me and gave me a sense of real kind of power, you know, in a childhood where I never really experienced anything like that. So it was a real aphrodisiac. And I just, one thing led to another. I just went from play to play to play, high school, college, and then graduate school. So by the time I came to New York in 73, it was eight years of, of stage training. Um, so do you remember the what you would consider your first big break? Um. Well, my first movie, I guess, was Quest for Fire. Mm-hmm. 1979, I got that picture. And it was the only mainstream thing that had ever happened to me. Cause it was 20th Century Fox. I mean, they had to cover my face with rubber uh-huh. and make me completely unrecognizable in order for me to be effective in this thing, <laughs> which kind of, you know, but that, that might have been a message in a bottle. But, uh, <laughs> but I kept going anyway, you know. Um, <laughs> I but, think you were all right after that. But it was, it, was, it was actually like studio picture, mainstream, very, very interesting subject matter, very esoteric, uh, very smart people surrounding the, the, the project. And, and uh, that was when the magic, that's when I really started to get hooked on the magic of like how movies work. 
mm-hmm. like being in the midst of one and being on the entire shoot, uh, watching all these disparate, amazingly talented people come together to create one beautiful thing. So, you know, a lot of actors will say that they enjoy theater more than uh, movies. Is this, I would not be one of them. You wouldn't. You you like the movies better. Yeah. And is it's because of that magic and how they put it all together? No, it's the fact that you do a scene and then when you finish shooting that scene, you never have to say those words again. <laughs> it's just too much repetition in yeah, theater. Yeah, for me to, to like get up eight times a week and say the same thing after I, you know, I thought last night was pretty good. Why would I want to do this again? You know, <laughs> like there's nothing, there's nothing here to conquer. You know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Whereas, in, you know, in in the cinema, you're constantly moving forward. You're constantly you you get finished shooting a scene, you throw that scene out, you, you're on to the next problem, and you solve all the problems over the course of either, you know, a month or six months, however long the schedule is. And you've just been challenged to your core, engaged in all kinds of ways, you know, in terms of figuring out who I am and how to give a, a decent performance and how to make it look like this guy exists in, 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 in reality when he's nothing but an illusion. It's very uh, trippy and it's very... You know, it's it like it turns me on. I mean, it makes me very. My favorite place to be is on a movie set. Uh, it's great. Uh, so, see, this is why people like Ron because he keeps it real, right? Because <laughs> a lot of people have airs about them and stuff. You, you clearly don't, right? You, you love this stuff. You're doing it. There's an amazing story about Hellboy. I want to get back to that in a second. But you mentioned solving problems and putting things together. You have your own company now. Right? Yeah. So, what, what's the name of the company? What does it do? Uh, and what are you guys working on? The name of the company is Wing and a Prayer Pictures, and what it does is it loses money. <laughs> it's me, you're keeping like it real. My, and I, I, by the way, I, I feel your pain, brother. <laughs> my, uh, my, my, our first attorney um, uh, said to me one day, you know, because I said, we're going to be like the independent film company. We're going we're gonna to reinvent the wheel. He said, you know how to become a millionaire in independent cinema? I said, no. He says, start out as a billionaire. so yeah it's a tough it's a tough haul i love movies uh i'm at the age right now where you know i I can afford to do just things that i love with it i don't have to worry about you know profits and 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 how well they do you know it's it's a question of filling me up with a sense of pride of ownership and identifying things that i think are beautiful and, and seeing if i could you know lift them up from the ground all the way to you know the poster and I'm having a great time doing it. Uh, we're going to pray our pictures. So how, how do you find scripts or how do you put it together, write director, et cetera? Well, before I had the company, um, I was reading a lot of scripts from people who just wanted me to give, them, give my opinion. And some of them were so good that I would like start optioning them for myself, not knowing that one day I would have the ability to do something about it. I'm, you know, I had an aspiration for it. And so... When the when the company finally got going, I had a kind of a, a bunch of things that I wanted to get made, and then once people realized that you're making movies, man, you know it's you get a lot of mail and you get a lot of things to read, and and you, you hear you you get to meet a lot of new voices and people who are so hungry and so untouched by the system that their voices are fresh and original and and beautiful and not derivative of anything you've ever seen before. And every once in a while, they're worth dropping everything for and, and, and trying to get done. 
So on a normal day, you might get up, grab a cup of coffee, insult the president on Twitter, and then read a script. Yeah, that's yeah. And you know what? That's a pretty we'll, good life, Ron. We'll it's not so to, bad. We'll go back to bed. You know, <laughs> a couple of insults, I'm good. You know, <laughs> I, I like that. No, it's life. a very, 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 a very good life. I'm, 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 uh, I'm a very happy man, Cenk. Very happy. Man. I love to hear that. So I. Uh, I interviewed Norman Lear and I said, brother, you did it. I mean, you did it all. You had seven out of the top 10 shows uh, on TV at once, which is unbelievable. Nobody's ever going to come close to that again. So do you wake up every day with a giant smile on your face? And he's like, no, I'm still stressed. I'm like, no, no, Norman, you can't be stressed. Yeah. So I love to hear that uh, you're having a good time. So oh, not, it's not as if I'm not stressed, but, but, uh-huh. but the good is far outweighing the bad. Okay, good, and I'm good. Very, I'm, I'm very cognizant of the fact that I'm one of the lucky guys. So you have this uh, special, interesting relationship with Guillermo del Toro, mm-hmm. and so tell us a story about how uh, he wanted to make um, Hellboy and put you in it. Well, I had made Guillermo's very first film was this picture that he made in Mexico called Chronos, and so through a set of beautiful circumstances, I ended up being in his first film, and. I was transfixed by how independent this felt and how beautiful it felt and how how much artistry was emanating from this kid. Nobody knew who he was. Um, And then watched the film come out, win um, Critics Week at the Cannes Film Festival, and all of a sudden my instinct about the guy began to become shared by the the rest of the world. Um, And then we did Blade Two together. Anyway, one day we're having dinner, and he says, hurry up and finish. I have to take you someplace. And he takes me to this comic book store on Sunset Boulevard and here in, in West, West Hollywood, and there's this kind of floor-to-ceiling maquette of Hellboy, uh, a model. He says, I want you to be him. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know anything about it. I'm not a comic book guy. I didn't know anything about it, but um, I said, cool. Mm-hmm. And uh, it took him seven years of studios like slamming the door in his face because I was really unbankable. Um, nobody was going to spend the kind of money you need to make a, a franchise comic book movie on somebody who's not bankable. Nothing personal, just just this is the way it works. Everybody's mm-hmm. worth something, you know, or everybody has the perception of being worth something, yeah. even though most of the time it's 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 an illusion. And. For seven years, Gamma just kept banging the same drum until finally he uh, he got somebody to agree. But I mean, that's a hell of a thing, right? That it's something I've never seen before in Hollywood. It's probably something I'll never see again. That kind of single-mindedness, that kind of devotion to an idea. I, you know, the loyalty factor is. I wouldn't even. I, I don't even want to entertain that because that's almost too good to be true. But for him, doggedly saying, "I'm not going to make this movie." Unless you make make you make it the way I want to make it, with who I want to make it, that doesn't happen in Hollywood. Yeah, no, no. When when you are, they say, yeah, I like the movie, I want to do it, but I want to do it with Brad Pitt or whatever. And, yeah. And you draw a line and go, no, I'll wait seven years until I get this guy. Yeah. Because I believe in him. That's just unheard of. And he did it. 
Yeah, no, world of credit to him, and of course, it's a huge success. And he was right, and you mm-hmm. guys were right all along, and and you were right for the role. So. Yeah, I wish I would have kept him as a friend, but you know, he's, no, I'm kidding. He's, <laughs> I was gonna say you. I didn't know. I was like, no. Thanks for help, boy. Get out of here. No, no. <laughs> we're about to do a couple of beautiful things together very soon, so uh, we're still uh, chugging along. What do you? What do you got coming out? Uh, anything soon? Um, this fall, uh, the BBC invited an American to come over there and work on, you know, the Queen's Channel. Oh, okay. Um, uh-huh. So it's a little mini-series, six-episode six mini-series called The Capture. It's, it's about those surveillance cameras that are all over the UK, yeah. CCTV cameras. Mm-hmm. I play the uh, head of the CIA division in the UK, and um, it's about photo manipulation and Putting someplace that they weren't, putting somebody, you know, it's very cool, very cool. So that's this fall. Uh, what is it called? The Capture. The Capture, okay. BBC. And, you know, we're running out of time, but I was going to, I thought for a second that you might have been playing a British guy. There's a thousand reasons why I could have never been an actor. I'm, I'm good at memorizing political facts. I'm terrible at memorizing lines. Anytime I've ever tried it, I can't get past two lines. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm also hilariously bad at accents. <laughs> so have you ever done accents? Yeah, I do them um, for my own edification and enjoyment. I'm not saying they turned out very well, which gives you a lot of hope. Um, okay. But but you know, I I, I I like to shake it up. I like to challenge myself, and you know, luckily I've gotten to this age where I, I really don't care what anybody thinks. So God, you know, I want to be there. <laughs> That's such a good state to believe. It's the only be good here. thing about getting older. It's like you know, uh-huh. the only good thing is like you, you know, most of your filters just like. Evaporate and fall away. We we do a show called Old School, which I told you about. I'd love to have you on, uh, where I've been saying for uh, five years straight now, like I can't wait to get to the point in my life where no 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 uh, holds barred. Mm -hmm. Okay, like where I whether it's age, money, some combination thereof, where I'm like, hey, listen, man, this is what I think. Sad day for you if you don't like it. Yeah. Well. (laughs) So, Ron, in essence, what I'm saying is, one day I want to be you. <laughs> I'm almost ready to give me up, so you know, I'll, I'm happy <laughs> okay, to. Pass. We might have a deal. I'm happy to pass the torch. <laughs> right. you, you say that now, but try walking in these shoes for a minute. Maybe you, I yeah. can't do this. <laughs> All right, Ron Perlman. Everybody, check him out in the capture and a thousand other things he's going to have uh, out real soon. Thank you for joining us on the Anchors. We appreciate it. What a pleasure. All right, thank you. All right, guys, we still have a post game for you guys. Anna's going to come back. We're going to tell wild and crazy stories as we always do. TYT.com slash join. You support the network and you get all the extra shows, including the post game. So we'll be back for the members and do that.